Welcome to Heal. On today's episode, I have the privilege to interview my longtime coach and mentor, Jeff Wilmore, on how do we transform the current reality of running a business, avoiding burnout, and making a living making our life versus sacrificing our life for making a living. His hypothesis, it is inside of living true to our calling and aligning our work with who we really are. Recognizing that the world out there will eat you alive if you don't create a distinct offer that has you stand out against all the noise. In the fall of 2020, in the brink of chronic fatigue syndrome, I actually began Jeff's year-long business program, The Autonomy Course. And it has and will continue to completely alter how I do business and how I get to live a life of joy, freedom, and purpose. I'm your host, Dr. Sarah Marshall. All right, we're doing it. Oh, great. Like, we're doing it, doing it. We're We're here. Little technical difficulties as getting all the microphones connected because we're, I can see you. We are in the same room. Yeah. That's that's pretty exciting. Yeah, very exciting. After 70 of 74 episodes, I think, have almost all been on Zoom. Wow. Something like that. 70 of 74. So I'm one of five. That's right. Yeah. Select company. That's right. Special opportunity. Mm hmm. And you are Jeff Wilmore, who has been a mentor and coach and friend of mine for many, 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 many years. Mm -hmm. And I am really excited to have you here on Heal, particularly because this isn't the most common conversation people think about when they think about health is their vocation, following Mm. their Mm. purpose Mm. in life and you know, how their business operates. And a lot of my audience are entrepreneurs or solo business owners. A lot of my clients are people that run their own practices and businesses of various types, or they're, you know, they're dealing with the balance of taking care of their well-being up against the demands of their career. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So I actually think it's perfect that we're here having this conversation. Yes. Yeah. 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 And the work you do in the world now Autonomy course, Mission B, say a little bit more about that. Well, you know, just going on what you were speaking about, there's lots of good data now, finally, you know, with lots of really good, well-done studies have been done that dramatically demonstrate the impact on things like productivity, creativity, innovation, when someone's connected to their, let's call it personal purpose at work, and which is what most careers are interested in. I mean, a lot of what motivates them is, oh, this will help my people be more productive? Well, then let's do it. But what's also shown in these studies is the dramatic impact on someone's health, both in terms of not getting unhealthy but also quickly getting healthy again if you do get unhealthy when you're connected to why am I doing this? And it's a, and it's a, it's the kind of connection that's profound that connects to your heart, your humanity, your spirit. And so, yeah, the work my partner and I do, it's, I think a long time in coming to this, but is, creating a pathway for people to reinvent or align their profession and their business 
with what is most important to them as a human being instead of the other way around, which is traditionally how that's that's definitely the model that we've inherited is I sacrifice for my business. You know, you've got to put in the hours. You've got um, whatever that sacrifice looks like. How do I design it in such a way so it's a pathway to fulfilling what's most profound to me as a human being? And that's, so that's essentially, that's one way to talk about what we do. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, you know, I, I'd heard about the autonomy course from the first year you put it out and just from our context of our relationship and who you've been for me as a mentor and coach, I knew I was like, yeah, I'm going to do that at some point. <laughs> but what's interesting is the moment that I chose to do it because I started in the August <clears throat> 2020 course mm-hmm. and, or September and that was three months into the bottom of the barrel of me dealing with chronic fatigue syndrome. Mm. And I had been told by both of my physicians that I had to reduce my entire life by two thirds, all travel, Mm. all extracurriculars, anything I was involved in, including my practice. I had to bring everything down by 65% essentially. And a mutual friend of ours, who's also been a guest on the podcast, Audra, who's another one of my, my mentors, she and I were talking and I was like, Uh, is this the dumbest time on the planet for me to take on a year long course in business? But I knew I needed to be in different conversations. I needed to be looking at what had I been up to and doing for the last 12 years that this is where I landed. And I'm even one of those people that I picked a career that was definitely inside of my passion and my heart more than other reasons you might pick a career and going into naturopathic medicine versus going into you know, conventional medicine. And I even inside of being a naturopath have been in business for myself and have been, you know, telemedicine and I've been doing it in a different, like I'd already been on that track. And yet even still here I was literally at, in an, a well-being crisis yeah. a lot because I still had a lot of mechanisms around my internal mm. thing about workaholicism and perfectionism, which I've been at work on for years, but was still there. And then what I really identified when I did the course with you was the external world out there of being a business owner and of being a doctor. And particularly the interesting thing about being a naturopathic or an integrative health practitioner is in many ways we almost have to, is not quite the right word, but abide by, it feels like I have to abide by even higher standards than general medicine does because if I make any mistakes, it's under a major magnifying glass. I don't right. have an industrialized right. complex to protect <clears throat> me, which just puts even more of, I have to be perfect. I have to do it right. I have to take mm. care of everyone. Mm. I have to answer all the phone calls. I have to check all the boxes. I have to have the best research. I have to make sure I can stand by everything I do. I have to, I have to, I have right. to, I have right. to. And all it, all it took was an international pandemic. Yeah, right. <laughs> but that cranked it up so loud, my, my, my body cracked underneath it. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. Well, there's certainly, yeah, there's certainly for all of us, there's whatever, however we've wound up as an individual is at play with everything we do. But I think what you're pointing to, which is pretty amazing when you see it, is how much the environment especially with business, you could say it with everything, but especially in this case with business, 
is constraining, predetermining, limiting, and impacting what we do and don't do and what's available to us and what opportunities we have and ones we don't have in the world of business. So we, we've we named it in the course the force field of business. And we particularly chose that name because it works like a force field. Like it's 24-7 and a force field is exerting tremendous energy against you. So what it takes to operate in a force field, you have to... You know, it's like walking out into a windstorm. You've got to lean way over and it almost blows you over. So, I mean, you get tired fast for doing it. So you can take something. I mean, you'd be a great example, Sarah, because you definitely didn't get into your profession because it wasn't, oh, I'm bored. I have nothing to do. Or it wasn't. What a incredible way to get rich! <laughs> nope, nope. That's, that's you know, not it thing. was it was some, yeah. it was a authentic, real commitment to contribute and help yeah. people and contribute to the, and that certainly has evolved for you. But in a very real way, it's probably never changed. It's like evolved, but not really. It's like this heartfelt, soul connected commitment to contribute to people's healing and health now and that's real and that's authentic now you put that into the force field of business and it gets you know how do I make money at this and we inherit models well this is how business is done this is how you do it this is how you have to do it this is how you should do it this is how you market this is how you sell this is how you you know and there's some interesting things in medicine because i also i know there's quite a few practitioners that listen to this podcast which is like there's this other really interesting thing which is this layer it's an illusion over especially the healing arts even more so than chiropractors, dentists, and conventional doctors in anything that's like massage therapy or energy work or spiritual, or those of us in natural medicine that are leaning more towards, oh, we should just give it away. Yeah. Right. It, it, the whole industrial medical complex is too expensive. Fish oil is too expensive. You should dumb it down, water it down, make it cheap, make it easy, which like, and I have a huge commitment to have this. And the, the irony is my medicine is cheap and accessible. I mean, we could go through your kitchen cabinets and find 15 or 20 remedies for all kinds of regular stuff. And I want it to be accessible for people of all economic backgrounds, but me as a solo practitioner trying to live inside also where this, this double-edged sword conversation. So it's like coming at us in every direction. Yeah. So it's, you know, that, that challenge of, okay, how do I, how do I take my, my soul's purpose? Let's call it that. How do I take my passion that might express it for other people? How do I have this be, how do I live true to this in the business world while at the same time, not sacrificing business success? Yep. Now, that's a really good question. <laughs> and that, and that's know? like inside of our work together. It's not like you're like, hey, we have the answer to that. Yeah, well. No, it's been this inquiry and looking and discovering together. And the, the only, we propose, the only authentic answer to that is in your own design and invention. So some people get trapped in, they make 
capitalism or the business world wrong. Yep. Like, I, I'm, I'm an anti-whatever. And that's a sure way to guarantee scarcity in your life. But then on the other end of the spectrum, some people have turned it into their religion. And that way you pay with your soul. So how do I bring them both together? How do I design this business so it has me live true to what really matters to me, which is I'm contributing to people's healing and there's a profound connection there. And at the same time, one of the outcomes of that is generating business success. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's what was un- like, like I've taken other business courses and I've been a part of other business coaching programs where there's literally been like do X, Y, and Z and you'll increase your income by this amount. And, and I've been able to actually even do those things. And most all of it is required a sh- sheer amount of force. Right. Just literally right. like, right. okay, if I make a hundred phone calls and I reach out to 200 people and I have this many conversations, I can produce this many interested prospects and I convert them. I mean, it's just that straight. And I actually at one point needed to just get responsible that I was not in enough communication and I was not making enough asks. And I actually doubled my income one year doing that. And it felt like I sold my soul. Like the way it went was just grating on me. And as soon as I had pushed and met whatever the numbers were, A, I was exhausted and B, I had no, and every time I'd have to go through another cycle like that, it would take all of this effort to just force myself to do the thing I knew I was supposed to yeah, do. Yeah. Contrast that with my experience in the autonomy course two years ago was I noticed in one of our other conversations, we talked about designing killer offers. Yeah. Taking what, you know, and we'd done work on, and I already had a sense of my purpose and my calling in the world, but it got honed mm-hmm. even more clearly and has continued over the last two years, but it's, it, it rings like a tuning fork almost all the time now for me. Yeah. And my calling is people are whole. And I've, I've sat with that with like, well, is that, is there something wrong with them in the first place that they need to be whole or anything? But, but then every time I look at like people are whole and connected to the divine. Yeah. And that piece was a really big part of where yeah. I took more ownership than I ever have before. Yeah. How important that is to me to have an actual declaration of the spiritual, yeah. the defi- the divine, the ineffable, the yeah. something bigger than us, the unexplainable, the mystery, the infinite, especially yeah. given that my primary focus is in medicine, yeah. which in the last hundred ish years it's been pretty strong conversation to separate anything that happens to do with spirit or mystery or an inevitable. We were going to, we're going to set that. That has nothing to do with medicine. So that declaration in of itself was a huge integration. It was like putting myself back together, stopping to pretend, you know, putting like more living true, more being all of myself. And it wasn't like it wasn't in my work. It was there, but even for me, I wasn't taking as much conscious ownership of it. And I had been doing a lot of kind of more intuitive energy work behind the scenes. And what's funny is like, I, it was even on my business card. I literally said like, doctor, author, speaker, intuitive, like yeah, I'd, yeah, I'd yeah. sneak it in, in hidden yeah, little yeah, places. Yeah. And I remember at one point having some conversations with clients and they literally were like, 
what do you mean you're taking ownership of this? This is why I hired you right, is because right. you speak from both worlds. Like yeah. I can count on you for the medical science and also, and I did the work on designing killer offers and I started to take these pieces I had been hiding away in the background and putting them out in the forefront and writing them right into my programs, writing them right into my offers and charging for it. Right. And I ended up with 98% full practice. Most people were saying yes. I had less people saying maybe or no. And and like this, this just this whole... But none of it was this like overnight success or it was right. this way in January. It, it happened. It's a, it's, it it's was a, interesting. It's a more valuable offer. Mm-hmm. And, a, you know, I mean, I can offer someone, if you work with me, I'll help you lose weight. And it's not that that has no value, although it's very, very common. Yep. So it's not... You know, what you're sharing about isn't I'm going to write an offer that gives me a competitive advantage. It's I'm designing an offer that's authentic to what I'm committed to offer. And when that's done in that way, the way you were just sharing about it, you find out it's more valuable. Yeah. And people will pay for something that's more valuable for them. And me speaking my truth, and I, and it wasn't even, I didn't do a big marketing campaign about this. I can't even, it just, it started to yeah. show up in all my communication and, and where I was standing and how I was, the people I was talking to more and more, like the quote ideal client was who was showing up and who was saying yes. And then my conversion rates from my new client assessment into long-term coaching programs was now going from 65% to 90%. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. The only reason people would say they weren't going to continue on in long-term coaching programs was literally a circumstance in their life came up. Yeah. It had nothing to do with, oh, this isn't what I want to do. If anything, most people are like, I know you're the one I should be working with and I yeah. have X or Y reason. That's great. And, and it was in that taking ownership of it and then designing in those offers. And so pointing to more lucrative, more opportunities I've had more business, I've had more speaking engagements, like, and you know, I'm just using myself as an example on the court, but in more alignment with, even when, if you'd asked me three years ago, is your work in alignment with your soul's purpose? I would have said yes. And now I have myself inside of an environment that has me constantly, continually looking to align it even more and even more and even more yeah, all the way down yeah. into like my accounting systems, yeah. like, like everything. Yeah. And that's, I mean, I love when you're sharing, cause that's pointing to all the things I do to have a business work or be successful in the force field of business that has me compromise my own dignity my own autonomy. Okay, well, it, I mean, your example of I doubled my business, but I didn't like how I, how I, who I had to become to do, to do it. it. Yeah. 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 So one of the other things I wanted to, to go into here is the bigger, so that's like me, individual, how it can make a difference for people in their own lives. Very important. But there's also something bigger that you and and your partner, business partner, both spoken to about the mission of your work on a grander scale. I mean, point blank, we live in a traumatizing culture and a traumatizing society with traumatized people running around trying to make money. 
and that our environment yeah. is dying and our systems are not fulfilling on people being healthy, happy, prosperous, taken right. care of, no matter your skin color, your race, your sexual orientation, your economic standing. And so that was another piece. I mean, for me personally, I was already there, but that has had me continue to be really interested in your work is when you said something to the effect of our mission is to imbibe business with love. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I mean, not to me, but I can hear people being like, those two words don't, well, you shouldn't know, be in the same so, sentence. Yeah. And part of it, Sarah, is, you know, any committed professional like yourself, by the time life's done, you will have spent roughly half your time working. And if I'm doing it in a system and a environment that robs me of my humanity, what the heck's the point, you know? So that's, that's, that's on that level. But then what you were just pointing to, you know, given so much of the way business has operated where as long as we generate a profit, it justifies extracting from the environment, extracting from people, extracting from society, communities, etc. It really is. Okay, well, if I was going to redesign business so it, so it was a positive contribution to all those different dimensions and levels of life where to be in business was to contribute to your community, contribute to the environment, contribute to the individuals that work there. Like by virtue of working there, their humanity is elevated and their health is nurtured and their connection with other human beings is taken care of and so on. And so we started out with that commitment and we kept running into when we finally just had to say it and it wasn't easy to say is well what we're really talking about is infusing business with love because that's what's that's at the heart of i mean i'd have to really love my people to care about them in that way. I'd have to love humanity in a certain way to care about them. I'd have to love the environment, not just I'm following all the given regulations, you know. I'd have to have a level of concern, commitment, and ultimately love. And then business is designed where that's at the core of it. And it's hard to find an arena in our current world that's that more disconnects people with love than the than the predominant way that capitalism is practiced. Yeah. Um so yeah, why not? <laughs> well and it's like there's so many parallels because when I've seen, you know, thirteen years in practice and working with people who come to me initially with like major chronic illness some degree of not functioning in their life, whether they're still working or they're not able to work, but they're like getting seriously impacted. And we do two, three, four, five years worth of work. Invariably, every single one of them ends up in the same conversations as they get healthy. Yeah. Yeah. 
what, why, why, what's my purpose? What am I here for? What really matters to me? Like when someone's dealt with a major illness or health crisis and they're coming out of it, they all run into the same fundamental question, which is what is my life for? Yeah. Yeah. And most of them, there is a massive reevaluation of their career. Yeah. And, and well, many people have connections to not that it's the whole reason why they got sick, but it was a contributing factor to them not being able to get well Yeah. when whatever genetic thing or whatever, you know, they had a black mold in their house, but then now their body's dealing with that and it's compromised and they're not able. And, and as a physician, I've run into my own challenge of like trying to find a way to support them while they continue to finish their PhD or while they continue to do the work that they're doing. And and more and more, I've been getting courageous enough to say, if you really want to heal this and you want to heal this fast, you have to quit your job. Like you actually need to give your body a break. And and I'm, I'm the bold physician who will frequently like 90% of the time prescribe to my new patients that I want them to take eight days completely off from everything in their life. Mm-hmm. No kids, no husbands, no spouses, no wives, no working. And that might require they need to get an Airbnb or a hotel right, or go right. somewhere and literally spend eight days doing nothing with uh-huh. no agenda and no plan. And since most of my clients are dealing with illness, frequently what they do is sleep for three right. or four days right. and they have no idea the degree of sleep deprivation. Right. And it's wild because like what I'll often do is I'll calculate their age multiplied by the number of days they've been alive and give them maybe the first five years of their life as kids up till about age five before they made a decision that they had to be a particular way. Yeah. And usually we're dealing with something like 14, 15, 20,000 days Mm. and I want eight of them back. Right. But when you say to somebody what will it take for you to take eight days of your life off to just go sit and be and do nothing but sleep and take care of yourself? It's like asking them to climb, climb Mount Everest. Yeah. Yeah. Which also half the treatment really is the doing of it. But the other half of the treatment is confronting how not organized their life is for them to even give themselves one stinking week to just be. Yeah. I've, you know, one of my, started out as a theory, but the more I've investigated it, it's, it's less of a theory and more of a, a, a declaration for people, which is most burnout, and that's a pretty big bucket, so put in there stress and various kinds of illnesses and exhaustion and exactly. yeah, yeah. depression even sometimes is a result of things not being completed. Yeah. So most most burnout and everything related to that, stress, anxiety, depression, disconnection, I propose as a result of you look into the future and you don't see an end. So things just get piled on top of one another. And it's like, oh, I've got it. Oh, I've got it. I've got it. I've got to sell this way forever. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. Oh, I've got to do this or this this kind of power thing with my boss. is This is just going to go on. 
And so that could, living in that reality where things can't get completed or don't get completed and things are just piled on top of one another, that's a big source, in my view, of the burnout and then the, the, the disease and the lack of health that comes with that. So, I mean, what you're talking about is beautiful because it's like, okay, how do I reinvent all this? So I'm not living with all that. I'm not living with... Now, the easy answer is, okay, well, let's move to Hawaii and I'll teach yoga Early on, retirement. Yeah, but, but that's all part of this... That's all part of the game of business. That's all part of the force field yeah. that we've inherited because, okay, you're on the beach in Hawaii, but now you're broke. Yeah. Or, okay, you retired early. Why? To, to, to get away from this and survive, Yeah. which is all part of the same. So how do I design a career and a business that I'm not trying to get away from? Sorry. That's Conway, all right. Come here. We have an interrupting puppy, but that's all right. Okay. Yeah, it's been hard for you today, huh? So building an environment of work that's nurturing yeah. and empowering and ultimately how to have that happen. I have to experience it and see it as a connection to my ultimate purpose, as a connection to, you know, what I ultimately want my life to be about fulfilling. And when we look there with people, what what's always there is profound stuff, you know? I mean, no one, no one ever says, well, at the end of my life, I want to say I made more money. Or at the end of my life, I want to say I got a lot of degrees and on and on and on. It's always, I want to say my life was about love, or I want to say, well, what you just shared, you know, my life was about contributing to people being whole and being connected to the divine. Mm -hmm. And my calling is people are triumphant, that they are triumphing over their challenges in life. And, you know, now why... Why does that move me? I don't know. It just does. And it always <laughs> has. And it always yep. will. Where did that come from? I, you know, but see, that's where I start to connect to the divine. It's like that was, you know, something divine put that in me. Yeah. So that that moves me. Now, Aligning my life with that is the only way I'm going to, including, especially including my profession, my career, is the only way I'm going to end up with where I can say, yeah, I've got a life that I'm living true to what is most profound to me. Instead of, oh, well, when I retire, then I can start to do it. Or I just got to put up with this you know, this crummy environment at work for another X number of years or anyway. Yeah. 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 I yeah. mean, I see a lot of people surviving their work situation in order to either hit that benchmark of, you know, retirement, certain number of years worked, or I have several clients that for them, they're in the trap of, I have this chronic illness and my job provides me with the health insurance I need to, in order to maintain yeah, yeah. the basic medical care. That's not actually helping me heal my illness, but I can't heal. Cause I mean, there's some loops there, right? Yeah. No, I tell you, isn't that terrible? I mean, I mean, mm -hmm. I don't mean 
it's just terrible that that is the epitome of the force field. Yeah. So it contributes to my illness, but I have to stay in it because that's the only way I can get the insurance to take care of my... I mean, it's that's just really sad. That that's, and that tends to be the case the more severe illness somebody has, the more expensive yeah, the drugs they require, yeah, the more interventions yeah. they have, the more frequent they end up in the hospital, the more that's the trap, which yeah. is the more the work environment is in pain. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So I could imagine for most people a really, you know, the, the confront or the tough part of this conversation is starting to look like, well, oh my God, I have to blow everything up. I have to quit my job. I have to reinvent my career. Maybe. But my experience in the course and in watching other people around me, though, and I'd like you to speak to this more, is it, there's actually been a lot of subtle changes and context shifts that have yeah. made a profound difference that have not required heroically demoing everything in my business or in my life and having to start over from scratch. And so, like, especially for people, too, who like, – my sister comes to mind, and I've shared about this, where she – her innate intrinsic being is a creative, magical, yeah, joyful. Yeah. Like if she could just make stuff with her hands and have people gather around her all the time, like that's, and she was more of an artist than I was. And that was kind of the direction she was going. And then she started to tip in the direction of information technology versus art school. And then that became corporate. So, you know, da, 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 da. So it's been a lot that she shared about on her lifelong journey of, coming to terms with that she has worked in mm. technology and corporate for 25 years where who she is, is this magical creative being. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so you have somebody like that, yep. you know, how might they, or what are some ways to start to get access to truing yourself up yeah. that you've seen yeah. that's Very maybe not necessarily question. about, well, now I have to demo Yeah, my life. and I think that, I, and by the way, I think that answer, which is kind of a popular answer out in the world of, you know, find what you love and do it, and then, you know, the money will come naturally. I think mostly it's just been terrible advice because it just really doesn't work that way very often. So, and... At the same time, oh, I definitely should leave this field and go do something else. That sometimes is too easy of an answer because you find out, oh, I'm going to open my own yoga studio. Okay, I'll do that. Which, by the way, can be quite profitable. But I don't care what it is. Yoga, medicine, you take anything and you put it in the force field and now it's getting worked on and you're compromising and you're changing yourself and you're taking actions you don't like, but you have to do them because that's how you get the business to work and on and on and on. And you run into many of the same challenges and issues. So I almost always tell people, because that's, that's often a first response for not lots of people, but quite a few people is, oh, I just need to leave this. And it's like, no. So the first piece, of, the first answer to your question is, no, slow down. Hmm. No, the first thing you need to do is slow down. 
slow down how in every way you can imagine that you know your your eight day thing that's like a pretty good slow the f down <laughs> sit like still. i am gonna slow you down yeah i'm gonna slow the system down i'm gonna you know so so that's the that's the first thing okay let me slow down slow down how well uh, let me just actually take three times a day and I stop for one minute and and connect connect to what well how about the air connect to your breath connect to what my body's experiencing right now connect to the to the thoughts you're having and you know a great one would be connect to what my calling is, what my purpose is. If you're not clear what that is, well, connect to what you're speculating on, what it could be. And even if what's there is confusion, slow down and connect to the confusion. That's the most fundamental thing to beginning to relook, rethink, and reimagine what am I doing, why am I doing it, and are there changes to make? Am I going to redesign and and re reinvent, or am I going to drop this all together? Which sometimes it comes down to that. You know, it may very well come down to your sister, where she's just really honest with herself. You know what? If I spend one more day doing this, I'm selling my soul. Yeah. And I'm done. Yeah. And I don't know what I'm going to do. Yeah. But I'm not going to do this. You know. So sometimes it is like that for someone. And in my experience, who I've worked with, it's always turned out better for that person. Now, I think the key thing, though, is the slowing down in that process, because your first thought isn't always your best thought. And especially when we're under stress and there's what you know, so so saying, okay, for instance, it could be an option. I mean, you and I have had conversations or I've had moments where I'm like, am I just stubbornly holding on to private practice because my dad was a business owner and somewhere in there, my psyche decided that that's what I was supposed to do. And really most of my frustrations and things I'm dealing with around my business would be solved if I would just go work for somebody else. Like working for somebody else was so not even like I was cut off from that as an option. Right. And I don't think that's actually it for me, but working with someone else absolutely is imperative. I've just now gotten it's like, that's imperative to my experience of fulfillment and satisfaction in my career and maybe very likely working with several other people and building something together. And I'm slowing myself down when I look at that, which is not, okay, this weekend I'm going to take six hours and I'm going to map out my next two years and exactly what I'm going to do. Like, no, it's like, I'm going to spend a year in that inquiry. Yeah. Really looking what bubbles up, really seeing what it is specifically that moves me, really considering who these people may be that I would want to create something with. And so same thing if something comes up around someone's career where they say, like, I really think this this might be just totally killing me, is like, okay, I'm going to give myself six months to a year to just dwell in that right. before I put in my two weeks notice, you know, immediately. Yeah. 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 Yeah, the, if, we, if we take everything you were just saying, you inevitably, someone inevitably 
they have some unique thoughts or they think of some things they haven't thought of or things become possible, whereas at the beginning, where it's react, react, react. And a lot of that's based in then the survival. Well, what else would I do to make this money? No, I got to stay here because of the money or, you know, it's, it's all the same paradigm. So, yeah, yeah, I love it. Well, there's two saying. things. There's one thing I want to go back to. We were talking about before with with slowing down in your day and taking a minute and connecting. And as you were saying that, I started to look at my life and realized I've done some things since starting the autonomy work that I didn't even realize was inside of truing myself up to my calling. So I don't have a home office in the standard, there's a desk and a chair and a computer screen and bookcases and, you know, degrees on the walls and like that way that a home office looks. I have this house that I'm very grateful to have and it has a lot of rooms in it. And there was a certain point where I'm like, I don't even know what I'm doing. Like I have a eat-in kitchen and a family room and a living room and a formal dining room. And I live there by myself with my cat and my dog. I'm like, what, the, what am I going to do with a formal dining room? Right. And it actually, I had a meditation retreat at my house and people kept gravitating. There's no table in there. People kept gravitating to hang out in the formal dining room. Like they were sitting on the, the, the carpet, they would chat. They'd, and it turns out there's really good sunlight in there like oh. most of the day. And I started hanging out in there. So my home office is actually in what would be the formal dining room of my house, which has a door to the porch yeah. so I can have it open to the outside. Mm-hmm. It has great windows and lighting. And I sit at a sh- basically coffee table, height table on a meditation cushion that's just two feet off the ground. Wow. And just because I was just, I wasn't thinking about it. I was just doing what I have my meditation altar in the same room. And I can totally get that, that there's some place somewhere that's like, well, you can't have your work office where your spiritual space is because that too. But I'm like, no, it's perfect. Where I sit, my back is to the wall. I'm looking at my altar with all of the sacred things that I put together that I put on my altar. And I literally look at it easily 200 times a day without even realizing it. And I didn't even connect the dots that that had been part of me being connected to the divine in my own space. Right. And like, you know, and some of it was just, that's my decor, but it's more, it was more than that. And some part of me knew when I crafted and that's been the space I work in the most often. Yeah. And it has this place where it's the same room I meditate in. I literally work and meditate in the same room. And when I say that out loud, I'm like, I could get for some people, they'd want to separate those two spaces. But for me, it is actually living true to have that all in one spot. Such a great example. You know, and that was not me throwing the baby out with the bathwater. That was me putting a candle and a Buddha on a table in my office. Yeah. And I don't even talk about it as my office. It's just where I work. Yeah. Which does something for me. Like if I get into the whole, like, well, I have a home office and it's supposed to look this way. And this is what, that's the force field for me. Yeah, little little things like that end up not being so little. Yeah. And it ends up being a critical piece of I have redesigned and reinvented my business and the way I do business. Someone wouldn't normally think of that. and then, But there you are. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, I, I reinvented my business, so I don't have an office anymore. I have a connecting slash meditation room. 
And part of why I have that room is because it, I connect with the nature and with the sunlight and, the, you know, it's like, oh, wow, that's, that's a small thing, but it's, it ends up being this huge thing. Given that I'm going to probably yeah. be in that room six to eight hours a day yeah. on a pretty regular basis, yeah. you know, like, yeah, yeah totally. Yeah. So as we start to kind of look towards the end of this conversation, what, if you had 60 seconds to tell the world anything, what would be most important for you to communicate? Oh, wow. Well, I think first is... If any one of us can do it, any of the rest of us can do it. So for me, everything I'm sharing about, I'm, it's, it's almost like it got given to me and it's a privilege to contribute it, however it does contribute it to others. Um, so I think that would be the first thing. And then the second thing is, you know, your phrase connected to the divine. However someone wants to say that for themselves, you know, pray, find ways to connect to infinity and the ineffable and, and lots of people listen to this, maybe even everyone has a life philosophy or practices that they engage with that in their life. Find ways to bring that into your business and your career. So it's not this separation that's where something transformative begins to show up. You know, something like you can actually start to see, wow, this could be more than just how I make my living. This can be a pathway for me to live true to what really matters to me. And that that can really be done in a lot more diverse environments than we think. Yeah. Like, it's not just a quit and recreate option. And sometimes... Yeah. Like you said something, the effect of like the quit and recreate might even be the easy way out instead of having to confront, I'm already in this company with 200 other people who have real lives and real families and real hearts and real feelings and real desires. And I just don't want to have to I deal mean, with the confront of making a difference in all of their lives. Everyone right? can't just quit and move to Hawaii. Right. <laughs> you know. Why is yeah. it the thing? Yeah. We'd get very crowded. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. We, you know, everyone can't just teach yoga yeah. or whatever, whatever someone's vision of that would be picture, romantic picture. So, yeah, they, what it is to reinvent and reimagine. If it was easy, everyone would do it. Yeah. You know, so you're you're slowing down and your thing of eight days and your thing of six months of inquiry. Well, Great works take that. I mean, great design of anything. You know, I remember speaking to a good friend of mine who's a Grammy award winning musician and him talking about what what it takes for him to write one of his songs. He said every now and then he said about one out of, one out of a hundred, it was this moment of it just happened in 10 minutes. He said the rest of them, some of them have been a couple years, you know? So if we're gonna live a creative existence, which includes, you know, I don't, I don't know anyone who doesn't say 
I want a great life, which includes the whole career part. They don't just, I want a great career. That's going to take design and engaging our consciousness and commitment and brain in new ways to rethink and relook. Healing. Yeah. That's, you know, that's what this podcast came out of was at the point I was in my career, which had been a lot about getting the right answers to make the difference, to shift things biochemically for people, which has, it's important. It's a great skill set to have, but I was running in more and more to like, there's pieces of this puzzle we're not talking about. There's elements. And so this whole podcast yeah. came out of what does it really mean to heal? Mm, love it. What does that actually take? What does that actually look yeah. like? And while we've had awesome guests on the podcast that'll talk about saunas and detoxes and specific things around food and nutrition and moving your body, like more and more though, that the conversation of healing, becoming whole, putting self back together to whatever that optimal level of living existence, functioning experience of life, it, it is imperative that it includes self-expression, love, connection, relationship, fulfillment, satisfaction, you know, all those pieces. Like if that's not on the treatment plan, yeah, you're just not all the IV therapy and all the supplements right. and all the clean eating and all of the, you know, half marathons won't, right. Won't get you there. Yeah. 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 So I seem to have found so far and we're still in inquiry so we'll just yes. keep going from there yeah but. cool yeah thanks for having this conversation with us uh, thanks for inviting me thanks for engaging i love the inquiry i love you i love the work you do so yeah. thank you yeah i love you too it's been an amazing 13 year journey you and i have had since yeah. we first met so it's pretty awesome yep and anybody who wants more information will have your website and contact information will be in the show notes on the website and they can get anything more about the work you're doing in the world. We didn't talk about mission B, but that's another aspect of, you know, and what's the difference with mission B? There's the autonomy course. Autonomy and mission course B. is individuals. Yeah. And mission B is the work we do in a company. Great. Yeah. Clear. Yeah. Good. Yeah. So both levels of the game and yeah, yeah, I can't recommend it enough. It's been yeah. an extraordinary couple of years. And actually I didn't share this with you at our last conference and we'll end here as I walked away from that conference with the experience of as long as I never leave that room, that group, that conversation, the, the network of contribution that's there, I can't fail. Yeah. Yeah. It is like that having that kind of a community of people engaged in this sort of thinking. It's like, yeah, it really is like being held and being gotten and known and listened to and seen and having a place that I can work stuff out and I can talk things through that include the personal, but especially I can do, I can talk through business stuff and actually get grounded, smart advice. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Until okay. we get to do this again. Yes. I look Thanks, Jeff. To it. Okay. Thank you to today's guest, Jeff Wilmore, for his brilliance, heart, and courage. For all the resources for today's show, visit sarahmarshallnd.com slash podcast. 
Special thanks to our music composer, Roddy Nickpour, and our editor, Kendra Vicken. And as always, thank you for being here. We'll see you next time. <laughs>